Luke 2 is where I'll be. You've already heard Andy talk about the scripture that we're going to cover today. So let's have a word of prayer. Our most gracious Father, we just praise you for this day. What a blessing it is to be in, in your place with you, with your people, praising you and singing your praises and, and glorifying you, Lord, the way that you so desire to be worshipped. And thank you. Open our hearts and minds. We know there are decisions being made even now. Lord God, I just pray that, that what we decide to do with, with you becomes very positive, that we serve you in a way that brings you the glory that you so richly deserve. And thank you for the joy, the privilege of drawing close to you this, this Christmas season and beyond. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shepherds. Why shepherds? Well, I like the uh, letters to sound. Sometimes I, I read different ones. I've got three that are on my good list today. Lloyd, little Lloyd, wrote, Dear Santa, my mother said, if I don't brush my teeth three times a day, you won't come to see me. Are you a dentist? <laughs> Milton writes, Dear Santa, for Christmas I would like a real doctor's bag. I want to try some operations on my friends. Of course, if you're one of his friends, it gives you chills, doesn't it? And here's my favorite from Albert. Dear Santa, I only want one thing, dynamite. <laughs> Nothing exciting ever happens around here, he says. Well, I think about those shepherds. I imagine one of their boys would probably have said the same thing. What I really want for Christmas is dynamite. Nothing exciting ever happens around here. Why shepherds? Why then? Why Bethlehem? Why a manger? Why all of those things? Well, we want to look and see. There's going to be four things that I think we can learn from this story about the shepherds that I want to leave with you. First and foremost is that this message was personal. The Bible says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Of course, shepherds stayed with their, their sheep, their flocks, 24-7. And they were living with their somewhere nearby. We know that it wasn't right next to Bethlehem. It was somewhere out in the countryside. And as they were there, they were keeping watch over their flocks at night because nothing exciting ever happens around there other than a few wild animals that try to steal their sheep from their flocks. And so the shepherds were told by this angel of the Lord that appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. The Bible says they were terrified. Well, that word means literally they quaked with fear. Uh, they, you can imagine, if you had the, the Shekinah glory of God appear to you on a night sky, like, just like a, a, a big billboard lit up, and you would be afraid too, I think. But the, the message was personal. Look at what they say. The angel said to them, I bring you good news. There has been born to you a Savior. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby. Do not be afraid. Well, to me, the message of 
the gospel message has always been personal. In my own life, it's where God speaks to me in a very unique and personal and intimate way, whether it's through prayer, sometimes it's through other people, sometimes it's through circumstances or situations that arise, sometimes it's through Bible study. Sometimes I'll be reading and the, and the Holy Spirit will say, did you, did you pay attention to what you just read? And it's almost like, excuse me? Well, that, I know you've read it a number of times, but did you see what that just said? They, they were terrified. Did you understand terrified? Did, did you understand the, the nature of that? And you begin to delve into it deeper, and you say, God, that's awesome. A light bulb goes on, but, but it's always been to me, the message of the gospel has always been personal. God is always personal with us. The Bible says He has the names, our names written on His hand. Now, can you imagine if He is that personal? He is the God that created us in His own image. He is the God that wired us with our personalities the way we are today, given us the abilities and the skills that we have and endowed us with certain gifts of the Holy Spirit, it is personal with God. And so being personal and intimate, it is a relationship, and it is relational in my life, whether I'm talking to people or reading the Bible or whatever I'm doing, whatever activity I'm engaged in, it's personal. Do not be afraid. But why shepherds? Why would God get personal with shepherds of all people? I mean... They are on the lowest rung of the employment ladder that there is. Nobody wanted anything to do with them. They smell like sheep. They probably acted a lot like their sheep that they were taking care of. You know, I don't understand. It's the simplicity of the gospel, I think, that has most of us perplexed. Max Lucado put it this way. Blessed are the meek. Jesus explained, blessed are the available. That's why the announcement went first to the shepherds. They didn't ask God if he was sure he knew what was he was doing. Had the angel gone to the theologians? Well, they would have first consulted their commentaries. Had he gone to the elite? They would have looked around to see if anyone else was looking. Had he gone to the successful? They would have first looked at their calendars. So he went to the shepherds, men who didn't have a reputation to protect or an axe to grind or a ladder to climb, men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in a feed trough. He went to shepherds. And he came to me as well. I don't know why. I can't explain it other than the love of God constrains us. It is, it is thanks, that, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord, born that day on a Christmas morning in a manger, in a stable. Do you know why? Because God loves us. Do you know why He loves us? Because God is love. Do you, can you explain that? I can't. I can't. I don't know why God has sent His only begotten Son. I, I don't think I would sacrifice mine for us. So, I quoted last week a verse from 1 Corinthians 1, 21 and following. 
But I want you to hear this translation from William Peterson out of the message. I like the way it reads. And it says this, 1 Corinthians 1, Since the world in all of its fancy wisdom never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God in His wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb, preaching of all things, to bring those who trust Him into the way of salvation. Human wisdom is so tiny, so impotent, next to the seeming absurdity of God. Human strength can't begin to compete with God's weakness. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest and the best among you, not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Those chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Don't you love the way that reads? I do. Peterson has a a gift for that kind of thing. And so the message was personal. Shepherds, it was personal. It was personal to this, this segment of society that was the lowest rung on the ladder of culture there. Well, the message was also particular. Look at verse 11 and 12. For he says, Today in the town of David, a Savior who has been born to you. He is Christ, that is the Messiah, the Lord. He will be, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I'm not sure the shepherds needed a sign, but there was. Bethlehem, of all that this message was particular, of all the villages surrounding Jerusalem, And throughout the countryside, it was Bethlehem. It's particular. You're going to find this Christ child in Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean in Hebrew? It means house of bread. House of bread. What did Jesus say in John 6, 35? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. I come from the house of bread. Wow. That makes it simple. So it's going to be in Bethlehem, the city of David. Then it's going to be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. We spend a lot of time talking about the innkeeper and his wife and and why, if it wasn't good or, or bad, that they would put the child of God into a stable. Some said it could have been a stable hewn out of a rock, a cave, as opposed to what we see the wooden structures today. It doesn't really matter. It was a stable, and it housed animals. And he was lying in a manger. Well, there's only going to be one child in all of Bethlehem whose parents are with him in a manger, uh, at a manger, in a stable, in Bethlehem. He'll be wrapped in cloths, in rags, in birth cloths. And he'll be there in that little feed trough. It doesn't really matter what it's hewn out of. It's simply, you're only going to find it there. 
And the Bible says that, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph. The word for found means literally that there was an intense search for this one stable, this one manger that had this one Savior lying in it. Well, the message was particular. It always is. God has always been specific in how to find Him. Mankind really messed that up after the, the first creation, and so we had all kinds of religious activities and laws and, and so on and so forth that were just burdensome to people. Everything mankind did to reach up to God was a religious effort. And mankind couldn't find God through religion. He tried. People told him, if you just burn candles, burn incense, say prayers, kneel three times a day, say prayers four times a day, five, face the east, do this, do that, you'll find God. God can't be found in any other way but through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And there's the deal. There's the deal. God says, I created you so that you can know me, but you cannot know me apart from my Son. The Bible is particular. It's no gray area. From time to time, I come across people that say, well, you know, uh, we're, everybody's going to heaven. It's all gray. It's all roads lead to God. You want to go, time out, sport. That's not what the Scripture says. The Bible says that if you know the Son of God you know the Father. You cannot know the Father until you know the Son. So if you don't know the Son, Jesus Christ, you cannot know God. It's very easy to, to have a relationship with God if you know Jesus Christ. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you cannot know the Father. I think that's very black and white. And so there's no gray area. There's no indiscernible path to salvation it's all very clear. I am the door, Jesus says, by me if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but Jesus. And on and on. It's very clear. The word, the message was particular. The angels were telling the shepherds, how to find the Christ child. He's told you. He's told me. He's been very particular. We have, some people have ignored it. Obviously, a lot of our, our citizens and our, a lot of our world people have ignored the way to find God through Jesus Christ. They choose to go their own path. That's their decision. But it's been very particular. And it always has been. And then thirdly, the message was peace. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom His favor rests. Peace. Peace. Well, when they hurried off, the Bible says, this was probably the first Christmas rush. Well, if you look at it this way, today there is no peace around Christmas with all of this rushing around. I mean... Mary Jo and I were uh, went up yesterday, I-75, to North Tampa to have lunch with a child of ours. And you, the traffic, the, the looks on the people behind steering wheels and the 
impatience of everybody. And the malls are packed. Lord knows I don't need to go to a mall before Christmas. But there's no peace there. You see the frantic nature of people trying to find that last gift, that one gift that they haven't been able to locate, trying to figure out who and what to get people and so on and so forth. And it just seems frenetic so that by the time Christmas morning comes around, you know, it's all, it's all over. But for us, it's just beginning because the message was peace. You see, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Wow. In the world, peace means an absence of turmoil. We want peace for Israel. We want peace in the Middle East. Peace means an absence of turmoil in worldly terms. But when Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, because in the peace that we have through Jesus Christ, it is the inner tranquility, the serenity, the absolute calmness that we experience in the face of turmoil. It's not the absence of turmoil. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's that inner tranquility that overwhelms you, knowing that God is in control no matter what happens on the exterior. God is in control in the interior. My heart knows that I can trust Him to take care of the situation. Wow, we have turmoil all over the world. All over the world. And yet, we know through Christ Jesus the peace that passes all understanding, surpasses all comprehension. You know, there the hospital in England. In 1300, a hospital was founded in London. State-of-the-art at the time, if you can picture state-of-the-art in 1300. But it was named after Mary of Bethlehem. Among the people, the hospital's name became shortened to Bethlehem. By 1400, the Bethlehem Hospital had been turned into an institution where people suffering from all kinds of mental illnesses were herded together, locked up, and neglected. During the same time, the pronunciation of the hospital's name was corrupted to Bedlam. Hmm. The noise and the confusion generated by patients without effective medical treatment became known throughout England. And Bedlam became synonymous with chaos, confusion, uproar, disquieted hearts. Bedlam. Now, instead of Mary of Bethlehem being our Christmas quest, Bedlam often results. When we don't seek out the Christ child, when we don't seek out Jesus at Christmas, Bedlam is necessarily going to result. We're going to have that chaos. You see, Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Well, the year was 1861. It was in March of that year. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's wife 
whose name was Fanny, was taking care of their six children. And as she was working with her daughters, she her dress caught on fire. And as it began to burn, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow rushed down from the upstairs to try to put the fire out. He rolled her in the carpeting. He even covered her with his own body. But the fire had created too many severe burns on his wife. In fact, he was severely burned, which is why he allowed his beard to grow the way it did to cover up the scarring on his face. But the next morning, Fanny died from the injuries in 1861. Two years later, 1863, the oldest of the Longfellow's children, Charles, decided he wanted to be involved in the Civil War. So he enlisted on the side of the Union, and it was on December 1st of 1863 that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow got a telegram that said four days earlier your son was shot. The, the bullet went through his shoulder, through his shoulder blade, and just barely glanced off of his spinal area and almost paralyzed him. Well, the doctor said that it's going to take a six-month minimum recovery period for him. And this was a war that Longfellow despised. He hated every bit of it. So on Christmas morning of 1863, he sat down and wrote a poem. You know the poem. You've heard it. I heard the bells on Christmas Day was made into a uh, hymn. But he says in that poem, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Fortunately, he didn't leave it there, for we know that other verse that comes at the end of this poem. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth goodwill to men. Peace. They, their message was peace. And they spoke it well. Well, then finally the message was proclaimed. I want you to see when they, they hurried off, they found Mary and Joseph. They found the baby who was lying in the manger, just as the angels had said. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Who do you think they told? I think they told everybody. As they were going back to their flocks, they were leaving the manger scene. Everybody that was in town to be taxed, that they came in contact with, I'm sure, were told about this fantastic birth. And they told everybody on the roadway all the way out to the fields where they were looking for the sheep. Then when they got to the shepherds that stayed there, because shepherds have to shepherd their sheep, somebody had to stay there. And, of course, you recognize the fact that not everybody can go. Some people have to stay and tend to the task at hand. You know, when I'm on mission trips, I appreciate those who felt that, that they had to stay and do the prayer and do the, do the uh, preparation while I was gone. 
And you feel that same way. Sometimes you go on a weekend retreat and somebody says, I can't go, but I'll stay here. I'll pray for you. I'll support you. I'll encourage you. I'll be here. And when you come back, you try to tell them, unfortunately, for those that sacrifice and stay, the experience will never be the same. Because you were there. You felt the movement of the Holy Spirit. You felt God moving in your life. You felt you saw how God was moving in the lives of others. You saw what God had proclaimed to you, and you experienced it. Unfortunately, those that remain behind didn't have that experience. They only have your recap of what you experienced. Well, the shepherds replaced the angels in proclaiming that Jesus had come. You and I do the same thing. The shepherds have given that message to us. You and I replace the angels. You and I replace the shepherds. You and I replace the disciples, the apostles, and all of those that have come from the generations because it's been handed down to us. The baton has been passed. You and I have the responsibility to tell others what we have seen and heard concerning Jesus Christ. And we should be telling everybody on our way to and from where we're headed. Why don't we? This message is loud and clear. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. To men on whose favor God's favor rests. I bring you good news, great joy, which will be for all the people. Good news. We need good news today. I know good news newspapers evidently don't sell well. We like to read about all the bad things that happen to people. We don't like to turn on the TV and see a lot of good things. Evidently, you and I are probably excluded here because I like to read and hear about good things that are happening. I like to read about how people in other cultures throughout the world in our society are turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. I like to hear that they're, through Christ, are helping their fellow man along the way. I like to hear those stories. But evidently, good news does not sell newspapers. So, here he says, I bring you good news, great joy, good news. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. A Savior. We know that Savior. What did the shepherds say to each person they met? I have no idea. We don't even know who the shepherds were. They're not named. We have no idea. God would call anonymous people to do his bidding? Yeah. God can do anything he wants to do. And he will use anybody he so desires to use, including me, including you, including those who are willing to respond. Wow. And so the message was proclaimed. You know, let me just take a side note here. Why would God use shepherds? Well, who better than shepherds to identify the Lamb of God? And who better than a shepherd to identify the good shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. 
My sheep know me and they hear my voice. Hmm. Well, he used Moses as a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Amos was a shepherd. Here are these shepherds being heralded. I think God likes shepherds. But God likes people of all walks of life. He sent his only begotten son. God so loved the world. God so loved those of us that comprise this globe that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow. That's what the Savior does. That's what the Messiah does. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Messiah. And he is Lord. Wow. Well, one thing about shepherds, for some reason, I don't know why, but shepherds were not allowed to testify in Jewish court. That's what the Jews thought of them. And yet, you may not feel capable of receiving this good news from Jesus Christ. You may not feel capable or are worthy enough to receive the news that God loves you so much He sent His only begotten Son into this world for you to die on the cross for your sins. Now, I don't, it doesn't matter what you've done in times past. It doesn't matter where you come from, where you are right now. It matters that your heart is open to Him and where you're going with Him. That's what He's interested in. So you and I have a responsibility this message is personal. This message is particular. This message is peace. And this message is proclaimed through us. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you trusted Him? Is He part of your life? Have you actually experienced Christmas in a way that is exciting and joyous? Can you herald the birth of Jesus Christ along with this heavenly host? Boy, wouldn't that be great? It's exciting to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. This Christmas season can be unlike any others. If you've never trusted Him, this Christmas season can be exciting by opening your heart, by giving your life to Him. You come to know Him, and He will give you that joy and that peace that you've long sought but never found. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we do praise you for who you are. We thank you for this day that you've given us, for this blessing that's ours in Jesus. So be with us now, Lord, and thank you. We praise you. We love you. We thank you for these decisions being made. We lift each and every one up to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing the hymn of invitation. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about whatever decisions the Lord lays on your heart.